Welcome to Fiberton Acres. I'm Rick. I'm Ashley. And, and this, this is Fiberton Acres. Acres. It looks like a show all about homesteading, a of humorous course. look at homesteading, horticulture, and, and husbandry. husbandry. I'm Rick. And I'm Ashley. And this is Fiberton Acres. <laughs> it's 40 minutes of this. Uh, how do we we usually start with what's new around here? That's what we start with because that's what it says there on the paper. We wrote a paper this time. We did write a paper this time because we were feeling a little uh, scattered. Remiss yes, in our what, a remiss. Yeah, look at you pulling out your eight dollar college words. Uh, it is a hundred and six degrees today, and that's not being. We're not. We're not just making up a number. Not, That's like, a real number. This sounds like a big number. No, it's it's actually that hot. Yeah. Yesterday, so this is I think the was the episode. Yeah, uh, the room is not. Uh, it's not a cool, cool place. place. Yeah. No, we don't have an air conditioner right now. Uh, so, so it's been kind of hot. Yeah. Uh, which has made us really kick into high gear with our animals and we've been we did an emergency shearing session the last two days because while in the morning while before the it sheep was... were shorn they needed shorn again due to the heat uh they they had enough fiber on them to be causing a problem with the temperatures uh so yeah, yeah emergency well, haircuts ensued uh we actually had the vet out um which we'll talk about more in a bit but they they were a little bit concerned about that as well. So, but since we weren't well, shearing for uh, you know usable fiber this time, we went out there with scissors, and we we and actually them. it was kind of the best. Yeah, we. we I don't did know cut about you, less. but I I actually, if I were to do it for fiber, I would get more usable fiber than we did when we sheared with. Well, that's because I butchered them. When well, I and we sheared closer with the scissors than we did with the shears. You think so? Oh, yeah. All right. I looked back at pictures, and they were like, we were so afraid to, sh to cut them that we didn't get very close. Uh, so, I don't know. I saw another gal, another fiber artist, Fiber Farm. I think her name is Treen Acres, if you want to find her on Instagram. I follow her there. Can you unmumble her name? T R E E N Treen okay. Treen Acres. So I don't know if I can unmumble that. <laughs> I thought you were saying train, but just like with a really <laughs> thick accent. Treen, I'm getting on to Treen, Mama. <laughs> so it's, it's confusing. No, that's her name. I think that's the name. And she does all of her. She's a small breed. I think she said she had Icelandic, but I'm not positive. Uh. And she did all hers with scissors, and I was inspired. I was inspired. <laughs> uh, I just hold them while she does all the cutting. Uh, so. Which was lovely. I'm a stanchion. He's a human stanchion. I also, get to practice my kung fu that way, though, my stance work. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. He kept telling me which stances he was doing while he yeah. was holding them. Uh, the babies make it real hard because they're so tiny. And when you're shearing and they're super them, fidgets. getting close... You see how many foxtails they're they're oh. in. Oh my goodness! Scissors. See, that was our last episode was on foxtails, and my goodness, yeah. With this half of it was fiber, half of it was foxtails. Stupid sheep. Oh, and they the scissors did not like. I don't know if through. the shears would have gone through no. that. Oh well, see the reason they're covered in foxtails is they keep getting out of the maintained field. Speaking of getting out of the maintained field. 
This week in fences. <laughs> Remember last episode when I was like, hey, if you put some chicken wire up, They'll that seems to stop them. Yep, it'll I'm... stop all but the stupid little one, Mickey, just running right through it. She just, She's just figured she just out. She figured out that she can just go right under. No biggie. So, next time, here's what we're doing. What are we doing? Razor wire. Razor wire? Landmines. Landmines? A moat. And oh, a moat. Wait, okay. <laughs> and uh, armed security. I'd be fine if with the they, last two. If they can keep people uh, out from backstage of a Garth Brooks show, they could keep our sheep in their pasture. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, yeah. maybe I will just hire My advice little... last week about the chicken wire... Go it's ahead. good for the adults. For like, the most part, but sorry, I have to, you're gonna I'm, have to stretch it. Okay. You have to stretch it and nail it. Uh, you can't you can't half do it. You gotta go full force, apparently. Yeah. Cause Yep, there she was, just running around. Us eating, chasing. Eating her. Uh, a few of the leaves off of the apple trees that our neighbors have planted and that was yeah, yeah. That we, we that were, doesn't make for no, great yeah. uh, relations. We uh, <laughs> if it happens again though, we're just gonna take one of the apples, stick it in her mouth, and eat her. No. Yep. <laughs> She's food. She's too small. Uh, and if we were gonna eat her, we'd have to cook her first. And if we cooked her, we would use fire. It's a segue. Yay! I That's said a disturbing that was a segue. Double. I just stared at him. <laughs> I knew it was a double segue. I segued from shearing to foxtails to fencing to today's episode. Well, it's like a which is fire, not double. It's a double double. Double double. It's a double double. It's a double double. It's like a double, you get double. A, in like and, in and out. out. Yeah. Uh, fire. Today we're going to talk about fire. Yeah, because uh, it's fire season in California. That's right. Or as we I have. saw. I saw this meme the other day that was a plane dropping the fire retardant, and it said California State Bird. <laughs> well, that was pretty good. Uh, I said California. It's hotter than hell now with flames. Now with flames. <laughs> yeah, there's a new fire. Did we tell them about the old fire, no, like uh, right across the street? I think that might I have happened after. Oh, well, there was a fire directly across the street last week. Uh... We just uh, sat yeah, there and watched big. it. That one ended up being, well, I mean, that one was small, I guess. In the, acres? No, it was 1,800 at the end. Okay. But uh, it was across the street, across everything. We just grabbed drinks with the friends next door, the, sorry, the neighbors, the, the Jeremy and Miranda. And uh, <laughs> we just grabbed drinks and sat out front and watched it, watched it all burn. It was great. Uh, <laughs> just like, well, nothing we could do about I mean, it. Time to just watch it burn. It was... Disturbing yet fascinating and awesome in the true sense of the word awesome, like the and way also that it just kind of cool. And it this was is where me and Ashley watch, differ. Actually. It was interesting to watch the firefighters. Yes, like yeah, the work that they did. So yeah, it kind of made us think that we should do a podcast on fires. And since then, there have been many, many more. I guess in North County part of our area is called the North County area. Um, over a hundred fires have been. Uh, fought, fought in the last like month or so. Jeez. Um, 
Now, I could have that slightly wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what they said. Don't you want to know why we keep fighting fires? It's our desire. It's our desire. Sorry. Electric six for fans. They always thought they said starting fires. They do. Oh, I switched okay. it into Cal Good. Fire lyrics. Yeah. Don't you want to that's know why we, we keep fighting yeah. fires? Well, um, because we were trained and we swore an oath to do so. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Slightly different lyrics. Slightly different. Updated. The Garza fire is over 30,000 acres right now, which is not that far from us. It also has three vowels and they're all A's. I think there's only two vowels. Oh. G-A-R-Z-A. Oh, never mind that. A. And S I was, is I not adding, a... I was adding, <laughs> shut up. Uh... So yeah, so we were curious about, um, I mean, obviously there's the kind of Super obvious. So there's two types issue of fire. Of fire. There's two types of fire. I know, but I was gonna say something. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say there's kind of the obvious issue of fire, which is property damage, but we thought we'd get into deeper of like the history and um, reasons for fire, both the good and the bad. Oh, that's my cue. There's yes, two now types you of can fire. Say it. I jumped the gun. I'm sorry. <laughs> You stepped on my lines. Uh, uh, I was going to say there's something. There's two, two types of fires. Good and bad. Oh, no. good. <laughs> uh, there's controlled uh-huh. and uncontrolled. Yes. And it is much like the difference between a weed and a plant, which any plant that's growing where you don't want it is a weed. That's, that's the way it was explained to me when I was a Although, kid. Although, <laughs> from what I read, also, air quality is different between controlled burns and uncontrolled burns. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, let so we'll get me... into that. You read that stuff. I would like to point out, I have a... what? How big is this, would you say? Four by six piece of paper here with some notes scribbled on it and slightly incoherent ramblings uh, that I made. And uh, what do you have there next to you? How many pages would you say that is of computer printouts? I don't know, maybe like... 45, 50 pages <laughs> of full eight and a half by 11 sheets with illustrations. Some of them have illustrations, so that makes it less. One of them is a, an actual paper on the effects of fire in agriculture and forest ecosystems. So I, that one's interesting. I read three Wikipedia articles. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one of us comes more prepared than the other. I feel uh, like that's not... Probably super surprising to most people, but <laughs> but I learned the cool stuff, so I'm going to give you, you that also first. Had an interview? Oh yeah, I did. I conducted a phone interview. You I'll get to phone. that at the end. Okay. Uh, I did the cool history stuff, which we'll begin now. Cool history stuff. Give me some cool, cool history. History of fire. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so I found the earliest thing I could find on uh, like people using fire for farming uh, was agric- uh, the aboriginals in Australia. The aboriginal people used what's called fire stick farming. Okay. They would go burn field or like they'd burn an area towards like the middle of the season mm-hmm. and uh, it would create new growth. New plants would spring out of it and they used that and they used it to hunt all the animals that would show up to feed on the new growth. Oh, I found something similar where um, they talked about in the Plains area. uh, The Like near the airport or? Yeah, like the Plains of 
fly. You go like this, whoosh, fly. She's no, stalling because she can't find it on I know. Oh, 50 pages of printouts. Uh, Plains Indians actually started fires to attract game to new grasses. So oh. similar. So, yeah, they did the and, same thing. Uh, they sometimes refi- referred to the fire as the red buffalo. Oh, the aboriginals referred to the fire as, I don't know, because mine was just a Wikipedia article. <laughs> you just, it's fire stick? Fire stick farming yeah. is what they called it. Uh, you just, that's it? Just say that? Didn't say red buffalo. The red kangaroo. I don't know what they said. <laughs> Although, okay, so to back up just a little, uh, we found out that uh, a lot of controlled burns... And, I mean, all the burns that happen, what happens is there's a lot of buildup of grasses and matter, different, like, materials, uh, organic materials. that Yeah, like, in a modern sense, it's the straw that's left over uh, from uh, normally, like, a wheat field or something like that. There's a lot of straw left over in the field that... Uh, takes a long time to decompose. You have to chop it up and till it. Right. Right. That and then stuff. they were saying, you know, same sort of thing for, you know, these, the aboriginals. Oh, the right. Yeah. It would have been Plains Indians. So they, yeah. They straw. would find, you know, the, whatever was grazing in the area would graze down a certain amount and they would break up certain stuff and it would fall on the ground, but not compost right away. But this is a way to turn it into compost basically immediately because ashes are right, different particulate, particulates that are organic. It's been organic. oxidized, yeah. and oxidation is a form of compost, or composting is a form of oxidation. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's yeah a fast way to compost and create... Uh, also, this was saying like it gets rid of like trees that were shading an area so things didn't grow there, that kind of thing. And the oh, plains right, right. anywhere. Anyway. But yeah, so um that was kinda interesting. It really is. And then uh if you fast forward uh real quick to the <laughs> what was that? Blah, 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 that's the fast forward <laughs> to the Great Depression. Great Depression. Oh man. Oh. This as we know the cure was very popular <laughs> and Depeche <laughs> mode. <laughs> I don't think uh, that's quite the same no? era, no. Uh, but. Well, uh, so at that point, there was surpluses of many of the crops that we still have surpluses of today, right. uh, such as corn and wheat. Uh-huh. And they, the farmers started using, just burning their corn. They would just get, cut and gather it every day and just burn it in the fireplace because it was cheaper than coal. They were getting five cents a bushel. You get 12 bushels an acre, about, of corn. So oh, wow. they were getting like a dollar something, like a few bucks. What, six dollars? You're getting like six bucks. Sorry, 60 cents. My math is a little off right now. It's one of those things. 12 acres. Tell us what it half. is. Yeah. Uh, we, 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 two acres would have been 10 cents. So. I don't know. Point is. <laughs> it wasn't much, was the point. Yeah, it was not was a lot. Coal so was they, way more expensive than that. So they, they started just directly burning corn in also hopes, corn and wheat, uh, in hopes to drive up scarcity. If Which enough would drive of them up the prices, it, yeah. would drive up the prices. Uh, this did not work. But it did keep them warm. 
At least so that they part of it worked. Did not freeze to death. Right. So that's good. Uh, so yeah, they. Were, I thought that was pretty pretty interesting that uh, things got. It was better to just burn your crops than to try to sell it at that point. That's yeah, how. That's, kind of interesting. that's how bad things were uh, during the depression. I guess and, that's not really like a fire, but what is though? They burned. I it. mean, they put it in there. Oh, I thought you were saying like they just brought it in the house and they burned. did. But some of them also burned their fields. Oh, okay. They would burn a field of it, just out in the field, just uh-huh. torch it, and leave their other fields, hoping that, like, they were, you know, uh, turning it into fertilizer to be right. processed for next year, hoping for a good term, and to try to drive up prices for this oh, season okay. as well. So, uh, kind of the thing of, like, now being paid not to grow that happens with some uh-huh. crops the right. government will the, be like, hey, please don't grow this. Here's some money. Just don't grow it because it's going to ruin everyone else's business if you do. Uh, it's that whole thing. Right. Okay. Uh, I want to go tell for a little it. more yeah, tell, about... Tell us about your okay, thing. Okay, so... We, oh, I guess the little house would be more like well, no, history that's where we are. too, huh? Yeah, yeah. I want to go to control. Oh. But, no, yeah. let them know about your little uh, house. Ashley reads so the Little House on the Prairie. I love Little House on the Prairie. And actually, in the actual book called Little House on the Prairie, because there's Little House in the Big Woods, and there's, but all the, the one that's actually Little House on the Prairie, I always think about the, the chapter where they have a prairie fire. And back in the day, I think it would have, I mean, however it was started, uh, they had a fire that was encroaching on their farm. And they had to hand dig their fire breaks. Uh, and I, I guess I always just think about, like, you know, we have, uh, you know. A lawnmower, a tractor, uh, Yeah, I mean, and, like and we have, you know, the aid of uh, fire, department. fire departments. And, I mean, we still lose property and people and, you know, things that we shouldn't. But at the same time, you think about back then. They didn't have, I mean, it was like a family trying to protect their yeah. livelihood and their lives and their property, and, well, and that was the, all that was there. During the fire that was here, across the way last uh-huh. weekend, uh, we watched the neighbors across the way, uh, across the road there, take their tractors out and cut their own fire line yeah. at the edge of their property. Uh, while the firemen were fighting the fire behind them, they just went. You could see, I mean, I'm sure that the, we saw the sheriff drive up there and probably told them they should evacuate, but, because there were evacuation uh, notices notices given out. Yeah, but they, yeah, they just cut their own fire line to their house and said, no, we're good. We're going to stay. Which is not something I would recommend doing. No. Uh... If, but if but it was fire... interesting because, you know, for them, like, they just went out and did... And then we did watch, actually, you know, Cal Fire had bulldozers out there and were doing their own, like, attempting to contain the fire with the fire breaks. And you can see where all the lines are and the fire breaks are and where it did... was successful, finally, which was... I don't know, it's really interesting. Oh, it really is. Uh, speaking of Cal Fire, that brings us, that brings me, right? You Did you, we did cutting the line. I didn't interrupt well, I your do, story, did I? Well, we're going to do fire prevention later. 
Oh, okay. See there? There's okay. this fire prevention. Okay. We haven't done controlled versus wild yet. Okay, okay, you're right. Oh, God. Okay, I got it. Control <laughs> myself, Rick. Control yourself. It's on there. Oh. I know, but I only prepared four things, and you have all these things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wanted to talk. Control. You have. You can. You can play off of this. I will. I Controlled will. versus wildfire. Oh. Oh yeah. Speaking of which. Oh, I have something to contribute. Uh, <laughs> okay. Good. Wildfire was a hit single from Michael Martin Murphy considered one of the forerunners in the singer-songwriter movement of the 1970s. Oh she came calling wildfire. We can use like seven seconds. Wildfire. And I mean, we're just assuming none of our, like what, you're like, are we allowed to use that? Like any of our eight listeners are going to report us to the recording artists Oh man, I do industry. love that song though. That yeah, is one of my sit back and things. enjoy. Okay, there we go. That's enough. <laughs> let's not let's not get taken down. So, uh, yeah, wildfire. There you go. Yeah. So it turns out a controlled burn is a way to help your crops, and wildfire is a hit single for Michael Martin Murphy. About a horse. About a horse. <laughs> Fine. Tell us your uh, real, actual, researched thing now. So, well, okay. So my my scientific paper that I found, I. <laughs> I won't get too boring, but uh, basically, I think a lot of people kind of don't think about the the differences between controlled versus wildfires. I mean, I think we all know like a controlled fire is right, obviously like, we're like or oh, also it's... called a prescribed fire. Right, they'll be like, oh, that's fine. It's a controlled burn, but like nobody thinks about why it's a controlled right. Burn. Exactly, like, what, what we are know that it happens for, and I think a lot of us assume it's. Um, just fire prevention. fire prevention. I always assumed it was fire prevention. Yeah. Like, you was fighting fire only. with fire, as they say. Exactly. <laughs> Which, in this paper, it did talk about, um, like, when we're talking about uh, pollutants in the air and stuff like that. Because that's a big reason why a lot of people are against controlled burns when they do, like, in Oregon. Right, the grass there's fields. A lot, there's a lot of grass fields, and they do controlled burns from time to time. Um there, and I found there, out why. It is a basin, so the air does sit there and doesn't move as much, so I can see in their particular situation why right. there would be a more issue. It being so damp in that area and wet, it's actually more common uh, that you'll have to control con do a, t a controlled burn at the end of the season uh, rather than just till like you normally would because your plows and your tiller and your tractor, if it's muddy soil like it's too muddy you can't get in there to till it oh. and so well in that, just in that case that it. does create more pollution because this is what it's saying is that um even though control burns produce smoke the amount of smoke produced is much less than the that produced by forest fires and wildfires as um basically they reduce the risk of wildfires because you've right. done a controlled burn um which would reduce the amount of smoke in the air because a wildfire gets out of hand, so it would right. be a larger area. 
but also um, they're normally carried out in where material is dry, right. which no, produces the, less smoke. The material is dry, it's the ground is wet. Yeah. Yeah, okay, and the wildfire fire will burn green, green fuels. So when right. we're talking about the differences, like, it isn't as good. I mean, obviously, they're, you know... Oh, Nature no. takes care of it. But. Right. In in Manitoba, uh, Canada, the only place I could find information on this that was actually statistics, yeah. only 5% of farmers every year wind up having to burn their their fields to prepare them for the next season. Uh, because And it's usually because of a late growing season, so they don't have as much time to prepare their fields before winter hits. So they have to basically prepare the field in a day or two. So they'll do it. But it's a it's a dry crop, but right. wet soil oh, is what okay. it's is when you have to do they it. Can do that though? How does it burn? The, it's just the so crop dry. is dry. Yeah, it's imagine dry clay or dry dry uh hay straw mm-hmm. and stuff sitting on a wet soil on mud. It the it's still dry. Wouldn't that just smolder and not really grow? No, no, it's still dry stuff. It's all standing oh, okay. up. It's, yeah, is what they were saying. Like, it's all the chaff and whatnot that's left out there. Right. And so you'll sink into the mud, but the stuff is still dry that you're burning. And they they talk in this paper a little bit about the, you know, basically what we already said about um, improving forage uh grasses for wildlife. Yeah, so the, um, the Native Americans and the Aboriginals totally they were on to something. And they're less damaging than when they're like in when there's more like controlled fires. Oh, right. Um, they're less damaging because uh, infrequent fires burn hotter because there's more to burn. There. Right, right. So they talked a little bit about that. Um and then they talked also about the effect of fire on the soil. And obviously, like we said, you know, it, it helps to break down stuff faster, but it does also cause erosion on in areas that erosion is already... Oh, right. It'll, it'll speed erosions. Yeah. So, and I'll, when we get to prevention and stuff, I want to go over what Cal Fire actually does, which I think is kind of cool. But yeah, and so they kind of just talk about the um those things i think this is Did I kind just of see more a reference to 10,000 maniacs in there so <laughs> i saw the number 10,000 and i always just assume it, there's 10, something maniacs. about 10,000 maniacs i mean i found it interesting because it was kind of talking about you know it was making a case for controlled burns but it was a lot more information on controlled burns than i Realized. Yeah, we, we really did actually kind of start into this, like, looking, we were like, oh, let's see how bad fire is for farmers. Mm-hmm. But it turns out, like many things, it is a tool. It can that, be a tool. Yeah, that, like, when used correct, correctly is not bad, uh, is beneficial to the farmer and, you right. know, to society but as a whole. But those are when we've correctly. created a scenario in which it works for us. However... We also, as people, are the ones who start wildfires and uh, make issues for. Uh, yes, yes, you yes, can. I can do it. Okay, we we the people are the problem, and that means only you 
can oh. prevent forest, forest fires. fires. Yes. And wildfires. And as you guys know, that's Smokey the Bear. And he is an advertising mascot created by the Ad Council with artist Albert Steele. Uh, Steele. Steel. I think it's Steele, but it has an A in it. Uh, it's uh, it's administrated, administered by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. So he was created in 1944. And uh, the slogan, only you can prevent forest fires, didn't come around till 1947. Oh, really? Yeah. And then in April 2001, it's now only you can prevent wildfires. Oh. They changed it. That's why you hesitated at that yeah, point. Yeah. Is because okay. they changed it. And when I That's I, good. I'm I was glad actually that they reading it. the second one uh-huh. and it looked wrong. Yeah. That's why it, I hesitated. We grew up with only you, you can, can prevent, prevent forest, forest fires. fires. But, but yeah, it's it wildfires. really is any wildfire. So, uh, just a neat little thing here. The message is recognized in the United States by 95% of adults and 77% wow. of children. That's pretty good. <laughs> From a marketing standpoint, I'm impressed. Right? Uh, they ha- there was a song that was uh, named after Smokey. Oh, man, we should find that. Right? Uh, and, oh, yeah, he was originally Smokey Bear. Until that song came out, but they had to add the the to make the rhyme scheme work, and that oh, stuck. Oh, so he became Smokey yeah, the Bear. Yeah, so he became Smokey the Bear in 1952 with that song. Uh, huh. So it was during the 50s that That's that variant with that the tells the. You that. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was a golden book. Oh, golden books. Yeah, in 1955, where Smokey the Bear, he calls himself by Smokey the Bear in the book. And he was an orphaned cub rescued in the aftermath of a forest fire. From the beginning, uh, his name was intentionally smelled differently from the adjective Smokey. Oh, yeah, because he has an E in his. Right, and that definite... I, d- I would have always put the E, even if I was <laughs> writing the adjective. I, I'd have been like, oh, yeah, this room is Smokey, S-M-O-K-E-Y. I would have totally Oh, because you know that. Smokey the Bear. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, I thought that was really neat. Uh, like, he's been around that long. There's some awesome and, old, like... Right? Uh, he was uh, honored like, with a postage stamp in 1984 for his 40th anniversary. Oh. And it pictured a cub hanging to a tree. Uh, and then there was commercials for the 50th anniversary and his 60th anniversary... So, yeah, it's a big thing. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah, that was the other thing. Uh, Bambi. Oh, yeah. So, uh, if you grew up, anyone who grew up watching Bambi realizes how terrifying a forest fire can be. But yeah, Smokey wouldn't one... run away. Smokey's strong. He'll stay and fight the fire if necessary. But he'd rather uh, have you douse it and cover it up so he doesn't have to. Bambi was really good at, like, I mean, that was terrifying when you're a kid. Right? And, and in all honesty, like, being as close as we were to the fire, like, I know it was interesting to watch, but also it it kind of gets you down in your core. Like, you have that fight or flight kind of hits you just a little bit where you're like, this isn't right. This is not okay. Right. Uh, the sheep were not happy the whole time. 
And actually, speaking of the sheep, I don't know if we want to jump into this yet. Which? The sheep. Oh, go ahead. Um, we had to call the vet out because they had respiratory issues. And uh, we're not sure if it is related to the fire. But uh, kind of seems like interesting timing, if not. So they have all had uh, runny noses and a little bit of uh, funny, funny lungs. So we've had to do some... This is the first time we've had to call the vet out for a major issue, and uh, it's kind of crazy. So, I mean, that's one of the the ways that fire... I'm going to jump back from prevention into... Yeah, go for it. Like, how it affects farmers. Because there's obviously the tool, but then as when it's not a tool, and when it's just a wildfire burning, um, it can affect your livestock. Obviously, for us, it's affected their health some. It can also spook your livestock. It can spook your livestock. It can burn your livestock. Exactly. Because a fire can burn at, oh, I should ask my interviewee. There's a speed at which a fire can move that's like crazy. It's like 60 miles an hour. It was crazy watching. I mean, we've we've been kind of bit uh, windy, too. Yeah, but a fire can move at like a ridiculous, it's like, I don't know. I'm going to say 60 miles an hour. If anybody's listening, just correct me in the comments. Tell us. That's fine. And we we kind of we were looking up, you know, while we were looking stuff up, we found an interview by KCRW down in um uh where's Santa where's Santa Barbara. Well, they're they're out of somewhere else. I oh think. right, but, but the story's out. But of yeah, Barbara. there's a the Whittier fire right now is burning above Santa Barbara and Goleta, um, and. There's been evacuate mandatory evacuations, road closures, and ash um, in the area. And they actually interviewed some of the farmers at one of the markets there. Um, and I think what they said, you know, was those things that we forget when we're thinking about our food uh, system, where we don't necessarily think about how, you know, it's stressful on the farmers because it's, you know, reducing their sales. It's reducing... <laughs> Their incomes, uh, they're losing product because they're not able to harvest if they're evacuated. And if they're, they are evacuated, they may not be able to water, which will lose their entire crops. So, um, so there's the more indirect, I guess you could say, um, effects. And then, of course, the direct would be losing your property, Bring your itself, livestock. Your livestock. All that kind of stuff. So your brand new tractor. Uh, they said, you know, that they um, had lost their lettuce and greens because they're covered in ash, so difficult to harvest and clean oh, them. So yeah. they basically, um, well, I guess in this case they said they mostly uh, didn't have time. Um, they had to go back to the farm and move tractors and vehicles to safer place, which is actually something that Cal Fire um, talks recommends. about. Yeah, recommends. Um, so yeah, and I mean, it, they also talked to a beekeeper, um, he was a little less concerned because of his... Dude was uh, the chillest dude. He was so chill. He's like, I could probably move the bees, but, you know, I, that's... And he said that he thought even Cal Fire would probably help protect the bees, which is probably true if yeah, they could. Yeah, Cal Fire is pretty awesome. We'll get uh, to that part. Yeah. The Cal Fire but, is awesome. But yeah, I just thought, you know, that was one of the things that, you know, we're talking about. We learned a lot about why actually it could be a tool and what actually it does to the soil, which is yeah. actually beneficial. But there's still, we still don't want wildfires. Right. Wildfires are always bad. And those are and the things that mess up 
for the You're, first... I mean, you farmers need... I mean, the fact that, you know, they might lose their crops because they can't get to their their place, and right. which affects... Or their fa- crops may just straight up burn. Right, yeah, exactly, like, which it affects our food system as a whole. So you have to really think about that, especially in California where you right, need a lot of our... When we say property damage, like when people say property damage, that also includes, like, farmers' stuff who are growing you food. So it's also, like, I don't know, I think of food damage is more important but like imagine yeah. if you went to the local burrito place and the local burrito place had burned down that would suck right but yet people don't notice as bad if the the wheat fields that grow the wheat to make the tortillas get caught burned. up in a yeah. wildfire but exactly. that's the same thing man your burritos just burned down you <laughs> exactly. need to prevent that you got to protect your burritos protect your burritos oh that's totally going to be the name of protect this episode your burritos. <laughs> Uh, here, I found this on YouTube. Let's all oh, listen. okay. Just for a sec, at least. With a ranger's hat and shovel and a pair of dungarees, you will find him in the forest, always sniffing at the breeze. People stop and pay attention when he tells them to beware, because everybody knows that he's the fire preventing bear. Smokey the bear, Smokey the bear. Growling and a growling and a sniffing in the air. He can find a fire before it starts to flame. That's why they call him Smokey. That was how he got his name. So there's, a, awesome. there's a snippet the of the fire smoky. prevention bear. Yeah, there's a little bit about Smokey that the Bear. Awesome. Look that up. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Just seriously, Smokey the Bear song. It, that look, that's adorable. That is. Uh, so, uh, Control vs. Wild Livestock. Ooh, we're on to fire prevention. We are actually on fire prevention now. Oh, there's tons of this. Uh, so, oh, real quick, before we get to fire yeah. prevention, let's do firefighting. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, the the best way to fight a fire is to not have a fire in the first place. Right. Uh, for sure. Right. As Chuck Norris once said in a Old Spice commercial back in the 90s, or maybe it was a cologne commercial, the best defense is not to offend in the first place. Then he kicked him. He did kick somebody in the face, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, anyway, don't start a fire. But here's some fire stuff. Uh, we interviewed a, a former firefighter, 10-plus years on the job, second-generation firefighter. Uh, what was his? Ron. Uh, my dad. That was his name. Uh, it's my dad, Ron. Uh, <laughs> I just, and his dad before him was a firefighter as well. Yeah, so uh, plenty of experience with fires, and I asked him for some fire facts. Sorry, my arm was falling asleep. I had to sit up. Uh, He worked the Applegate Fire up in Oregon. Southern Oregon, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was 50,000 plus acres that was, they were fighting. There was, uh, he said, easily 500 firefighters together, like all together that worked that fire. 500 firefighters. That's... And that's the thing is people don't really think about wildland firefighters come in from everywhere. Right. Yeah, you don't have, there's nowhere near enough people to fight a 50,000 acre fire within an area. Like, you've got to fly people in, you have hotshot teams that fly in, those people get dropped uh, from planes and helicopters into into a fire yeah. on purpose to cut fire lines. 
they yeah. get closer than anyone else can be. They're they they're basically like they're the special forces of firefighters. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're crazy trained, and they're also you kind of have to be a little crazy to do it. I think, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, he worked the fire for two weeks. He all together, they were there. The firemen were there probably three weeks for the main part of the fire, and then how along with cleanup cleanup and everything else. Um, so that was his biggest fire. I remember that fire from when I was a kid and going to visit him there. And so that was neat. Uh, so I asked him for tips about, uh, protecting your property. Or, like, things you need to know about fires. So, uh, when the fire's near your home and they're threatening the home, you'll see sometimes people, like, watering their roof. Uh-huh. But, actually, the fire usually enters your house via the eaves that, that stick over. Eaves? You know, the overhang on the, oh, okay. from the roof. That part. So, there's not really much you can do oh. to prevent the fire from getting there. Like, that's... Don't be in your house. <laughs> That's what you should do. If they tell you to leave, you should leave. Uh, and then uh, I wrote cat convert. Catalytic converters. Thanks. We were I, saying, I mean, a lot of the fires here have been started by cars lately. Yeah, so I asked him, like, what, what are some things? Uh, so there's chain dragging yeah. on your tow vehicle or whatever. Uh, those can send sparks that fly off the road and start a fire next to the road. Yeah. Uh, an example is we had three or four fires. Four, yeah. Uh, started just down the highway here from someone dragging a, tra- a chain. Yeah. Uh, don't flick your also cigarettes. Don't drag out. a train. Don't drag a train either, right. Chains or trains. Don't drag them. Uh, don't flick your cigarettes out of the car window. I mean, seriously, what's wrong with you? Uh, uh yeah, seriously, just, just get don't. It, like get if you just put it in a old water bottle or something. I mean, seriously, like oh. uh, on this, it also says to keep your uh, vehicle maintained with nothing dragging on the ground. So right, because sometimes yeah. you don't realize like you have something dragging underneath. Muffler broke uh, loose. Yeah, and they say to carry a fire extinguisher in your vehicle and know how to use it, which I was like, that's true, actually. Yeah, especially if you're in an area like us that. It's just full of... Ready to be on fire yeah. at any point. Uh, also, uh, don't drive off-road unless, you know, it's like an off-roading group and that's, that's, there's a trail that oh, you guys right. know what you're doing. There's other people there watching for fire hazards because most modern vehicles, pretty much all modern vehicles, uh-huh. have a catalytic converter. Catalytic converter works by getting extra super de duper hot more so than the entire rest of your exhaust system uh so if if you drive over some dry leaves with that you don't the leaves don't even or brush dry Mm -hmm. brush the brush doesn't even have to touch the catalytic converter it's so hot that it'll just from a distance wow inches like you can have inches between the brush and the catalytic converter and it can start smoldering behind you you drive off, you're three miles away now. Before you And then it ignites. It yeah. So, uh... That one's a big one, I feel like. Yeah, That's so, one that people don't realize at all. Right, and that's why, like, there's off-roading areas and groups. Right. Is because, like, there's a trail, they've cut, they've cleared the brush usually uh-huh. for it, and there's people doing fire watch. Right. 
this so. one also said um, to maintain tire pressure because exposed wheel rims will throw sparks and right. brakes that are worn too thin. It's metal on metal again. So, yeah, think about, I mean, all those things, like, yeah, we and all got to do our little part. And if you're going camping, like, off, and you, you know, you're going to an undeveloped site, uh-huh. like, be very cautious of where you're driving. Stay on trails. And even then, uh, you should have shovels, a fire extinguisher, and water, and an axe with you. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Use the shovel uh, and the axe to clear a fire line if you have to. Uh and water to extinguish fires, and uh, a shovel, by the way, when you do a campfire, I don't know if they teach this anymore, so I guess we should tell people, you douse it, uh-huh. you stir it, right? you douse it, you stir it, and then you, you douse, douse it, it again. again. It's three douses that you With do. With the stirs, and then you, you have wait. to stir it, yeah. too, because you can just douse the same spot where it's just, yeah. Right, so it's, it's douse and stir three times, and then you watch, and if you see anything, it, yeah, anything that looks like it may reignite, or you're just don't feel hundred percent certain that it's out, you just do again. You douse, yeah. you douse and stir three times, because uh, you don't want to be responsible for a wildfire. No. Like, I mean, you feel real bad, and, and you're, you're financially in trouble. you're yeah. financially responsible. For hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. So it's worth it to carry the extra five gallons of water and be sure. Like Exactly. Uh, I also found, and I mean, you were finishing up with what he said. So uh, he finish. also, uh, some people like will see something like some smoke off in the field and they're like, oh, I don't know. That's probably a controlled burn. Nah, it's okay. I don't uh, need to report it. Right. The, the operators at 911 and, uh, you know, the response agencies, they know where the controlled burns are, and they know they're going to be getting calls about it, and they don't mind getting calls about it. They would much rather have 300 calls about, a, a, you know, a controlled fire than zero calls about a real fire. Don't ever assume someone else is going to call. This is uh, something you learn from uh, first aid training as well. Uh-huh. Never assume someone else is going to do something. Like Yeah, that's true. You, like, if you see somebody who needs uh, CPR, don't assume someone else is going to do it. Right. Uh, if someone needs to call 911, don't assume someone else is going to call 911. You have to pick a person standing in, while you're doing CPR and you say, you call 911. So... It's the same thing. You see a fire, you see smoke, you call. It's fine. Mm-hmm. There, you're, you don't get in trouble for an honest report to 911. Right. Just for being wrong that it was a controlled burn and it's no big deal. So, yeah, uh, yeah. That's that was uh, stuff from uh, Firefighter Dad. Firefighter Ron. Firefighter Ron. I mean, while we're on the whole, like, safety and prevention, I also found equipment safety. And we had this sign in our little town of San Miguel that would say, mow mow before before 10. And I used to work at a little coffee shop down there, and um, people would ask me all the time what that meant. They didn't know that it meant that 
basically you're less likely to start a fire if you do it before 10. Right. Like, it wasn't... Because there's still dew. There's... In, yeah, it's not as hot. It's, it's not as dry Not yet. as dry. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I thought that was interesting. And this talks and about... And also... It's it also, also says oh, never when windy or excessively dry, too. So... Right. Mowing... And it's like, lawnmowers are designed to mow lawns, not weeds or dry grass. Right. And metal blades striking rocks can create sparks. So you have to think about all those pieces that you don't really think about. Right. Like tractor mowers are different than a lawnmower. Right. Exactly. And with those, you still have to mow before 10. Yeah. And you have to mow. Like, you you can't let your weeds get out of control because that's what the Native Americans and Aboriginals used as fodder for making fires. Like you're making a planes and planes fires are really easy to start. So have your dry grasses Mm -hmm. and, you know, weeds under control. There are some really cool infographics at, uh, Cal fire. Uh, and if you go to Cal fire, just Cal, just type in it into Google. Yeah. Uh, they have some really neat, information that would be really easy for you to share um yeah talk about the zones did you print that one out the defendable zones for a fire no i didn't print that one okay so like there's a there's defensible zones that you need to have you have to have your own property your property be you a farmer or just you know A a homeowner or like even a renter make sure these things exist where you are uh have the a clearing around where the weeds from your place don't go to the next place. Like you, there needs to be a break in there. And then as you come closer to the house, there needs to be less and less fuel for a fire. Right. Uh, you know, if you're going to have grass near your house, it needs to be green, green grass. Yeah. Otherwise Uh, it needs to be dirt. Or it needs to be dirt or rocks that don't burn. Dirt and rocks don't burn. Do we need to cover that? Do we need to cover that with you guys? Dirt and rocks are fine. Those don't burn. Although you do have to be careful of erosion, but... Right, but they're not going to burn. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, you want to keep uh, fire lines, zones of prevention around your house. Uh, so, yeah, because, you know, a small yard fire can turn into a wildfire. Yeah. Which can destroy your crops. If you're growing crops next to your house in your field... You can lose all your crops, your house, everything. Everything, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Did you have a different thing? You were you. No, oh, you I had another thing. I, I ruined it. No, no, I didn't on that. I, oh, good. I had been looking at like I mean, this was kind of the same thing. Another, uh, it was National Geographic's version. Uh huh. Like talked a little bit about like if you do have to leave. How to prepare your house, which is, like, remove all the combustibles, firewood, yard waste, barbecue grills, fuel cans from your yard, which would be probably what you're saying already. The defense zone, yeah. Closing windows, fence doors to prevent drafts, shut off natural gas, propane, you know, all that kind of stuff. Fill any large vessels with water, so, like, pools, hot tubs, garbage cans. Uh, and they also talk about what to do if you get caught in a wildfire. Is, is it cry? Yeah. Is number much. one cry? Just don't try to outrun it because that's not a thing you can do. Oh, wait. I we're actually, not, we're not I fast just, enough. I just texted firefighter dad 
it it can go. Oh, I said, how fast can a fire move? He said, faster than a speeding train. LOL. Uh, well, at least faster than you think it can. <laughs> yeah. So don't try to outrun it. Um, it says to look for a body of water to crouch in, and if that's not nearby, which like for us, there's nothing like that nearby, really. No. Um, you find a depressed, like cleared area. Depressed area. Well, that's where we are. <laughs> with very little vegetation, lie low to the ground and cover your body with wet clothing, a blanket, or soil. Stay low and covered until it passes. So this is basically emergency situation of you have to let the fire jump you. Yeah. And that's what and that is. And you'll want to hold your breath if you can. And it says to yeah, protect that's... your lungs by breathing air closest to the ground through a moist cloth if possible to yeah. avoid inhaling smoke. So yeah, that's like worst case scenario. As we said, you should evacuate way before that. Yeah, that's what happens if you don't listen when they tell you to yeah. evacuate. You wind up having to do that. That does not sound fun. No. no. But yeah, I would say, I mean, go check out the Cal Fire. Uh, yeah, you don't have to live in California. Cal Fire Yeah, it just is, has a lot of really neat... Uh, currently, by the way, my dad works with emergency management up yeah. in Oregon. And he said they look at a lot of CAL FIRE's policies and responses to emergencies because they're, they're really good at it. Yeah. Like, they've had a system in place for quite a while, and they have good training. I mean, man, stuff, on so. the fire across the way, I was really impressed with... Oh, yeah, they were moving like clockwork. I mean, the planes were in, the fire trucks were out, the bulldozers were... I mean, it was mostly contained by the night and it started in the evening so yeah it started after i went to work and by the time i got home it was mostly contained yeah it was and I was, crazy. I was kind of i, I mean the actual fire was fire. about three hours long yeah, i barely yeah. got to see any flames that's true like it was nuts it was impressive yeah. that's for sure yeah um okay well i think that brings us to the end of the the this flame and hot episode so hot. Oh, it's hot. It's sizzling. Like and, uh, <laughs> all right. So for this week, we'd like to send out a special thanks to all our Patreon members. Yeah. All our patrons. All our awesome patrons. Hey, awesome patrons, I'm going to be hitting you up for your address. address or your mailing address so I can send you a little something something. So make sure um, you check out your Patron messages? I don't know. Patreon messages? You'll see it. Uh, and then uh, if you want to become a patron um, and help us cover our costs for doing this show and help us do get better equipment and all that good stuff, um, you can go to Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Fiber Ten Acres. I think so. Or just look up Fiber Ten Acres when you get there. Yep, that's probably a better plan. Uh, and... You can see the different levels in which you can give, and you can give it as low as a dollar a month, which is kind of awesome, and we appreciate all of you for every level that you guys do. Uh, you know? Yeah, we also have to thank uh, all the apparatus. Yes, all the I think that we forgot to last time. I know, time. we're bad people. We were, we were, we were worn out or something. We were, it was like midnight. Yeah. So uh, they let us use the song uh, The Aeronaut. As the intro, intro and outro. Uh, awesome honestly, song. if you're anywhere near the Portland, Oregon area, try to catch them. They are a great band. They're awesome. so fun. Big, uh, big super band. nice. Like, yeah, yeah. 
Like uh, a bazillion members in the band. It's cool. pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, totally worth checking out. Also, check out our sister podcast over at Keeping Up with the Clampets. This is our hint hint that they... Need to, yeah, it's been it's a while since they've guys. had a new episode, oh, so come on, And we're going to be hitting you guys up for a, for a co Yeah, we got to do a podcast. We should do a crossover. Crossover podcast. Crossover podcast. Um, what else? Uh, thank you to all of our lovely, lovely listeners. Well over a thousand listens now, which is pretty exciting. And sure. um, thank you to you, Rick. Oh, thank you to you, Ashley. <laughs> Way to cover. Good cover. Yes, I looked and. around the yes, and. room and I saw you. And <laughs> yeah. Thank you, India. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you. Thank you, Tyler. Sorry, that's my Alanis Morissette. You were listening uh, to a bunch of her earlier. I was. Hey, Alanis hey. Morissette's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, Jagged Little cool. Pill was my jam in junior high. That was like... If we have, like... Younger listeners are like, what are you what talking about? Look up Jagged have, Little Pill I was like, by if we have older listeners, they're like that too. <laughs> no. But then look up Jagged Little Pill. Specifically people born between 1979 and 85. We talked a lot about music in this episode. Right? We should do, oh, we should do a farm and agricultural music episode. Probably never going to do that. Well, be cool. thanks everybody for staying around to the <laughs> Oh no, they're playing us out. Oh, uh, here comes all the apparatus uh, again with their song.